just going to take a sip of my beer and then we'll start. Let's see if I can hit this intro first time. <laughs> Gamers and famous musicians have this complaint in common. The fans are way too noisy. And this week we're rolling out a game of Christmas and into our version of Xboxing Day because EC Season slash Summer Games Fest have ended. My name is Sev and my co-host is Viz. Hey Viz. Hey Sev. Good evening guys. How are you doing today? I'm not too bad. I've been a, had a busy day. There's been a lot of videos to catch up on. Yeah, my brain feels quite melted. Um, I managed to watch pretty much everything that Games Fest had, apart from the 3.5 Xbox show and the 3.5 Gorilla show. Watched all my wrestling for Blood and Destroyers, finished the quarry, and I've been at work as well. So I am a thoroughly burnt out this week. Yeah, I can imagine that. I had to do an exam today, yeah. of coursework. So that's the first thing I did this morning was a, a listening and reading and writing exam. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So anyone out there listening, uh, put your fingers crossed and pray for Viz that he passes this exam. Good luck to you, mate. I hope you did well. And me, because I don't want to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but that should lead us into um, some trash talk. You ready? Yeah. Cool. Uh, Last week you played a game called KO. You want to tell us a little bit about it? So, KO the Kangaroo is a, a, a game from our childhood. It's twenty-two year old series now. But this game, it's a lot of fun to play. Uh, don't get me wrong, but it's as I think we covered this on the max level in RPG era just briefly. Um, I think it was last week. But it is, it's an outdated pop culture reference of the game. It's a story of a hero's recurring loved ones against the odds in nothing new in this ge- in the genre. So suffice it says that Kaio's not breaking from its tradition here. It's still very much pop culture. The dialogue could be a bit stronger. The game could be a bit stronger. Uh, stronger. It's very colourful, very whimsical. It's very childish and it's a lot of fun to play. It's just got a lot of technical issues. Um, I'm currently, I think I've gone through the game twice now, and I've now had to start a new game because some of the things that should have happened haven't happened. So <laughs> I'm now starting a new run through to try and get the the last of the trophies that I need to get because they never actually originally popped, which is a little bit frustrating. Yeah, I can imagine um, having to play something the entirety of the way through just to get to the last set of collectibles and collect all the collectibles on your way. It's something I gave up doing a long time ago. Yeah, it's it's just a nice little bits and puzzles in it, but from playing the game, it says it's a puzzle-solving game, like if you look at the description on it and the reviews, but there's only two puzzles in okay, it. Okay, so they like um, two puzzles that are like, used over and over again, or, or is it just two puzzles in the entire game? Uh, just two puzzles okay. in the entire game. <laughs> and, yeah... So you get to a point in the game where you can't go any further and you, there's a wall in front of you but you have to map out the route from one crystal to another so you have to hit the bricks in front of you to make a trail like, do you know, pipe work? Oh, yeah, the yeah. Great, the game pipe work. So you have to match the pipes for the water to flow but it goes from the energy to one crystal to the other and then it opens up your next path to be able to continue okay. with the game and that's the, that's the only puzzle. Is it kind of like... Um... <laughs> Like Bioshock have a similar sort of puzzle where you have to get the like the liquid from one end to the other 
and put different pipes down. Yeah. That same sort of thing. Same sort of thing, but this is like uh, like a kinetic energy holding these like little bits of brick up in the air, and you have to jump up and uh, tail whip them with your kangaroo tail, and move like change the direction of them so the all the line within the stones matched up or runes I think they would call it so linked to one crystal to the other and then it would open up and make a bridge for you to get through okay and uh, how was the combat in the game uh, the combat's very fluent but it's very rep- repetitive as you travel more and more through the game you do pick up new abilities with the gloves but again the compact doesn't change you hit with square, you hold down square and you do a big attack, you can jump up and press um, square to do a bash attack that's the basic combat Uh, the other thing that's entailed within that when you're in boss fights or if there's particular enemy that throws stuff at you, if you time it right then you can jump up and tail whip and potentially hit the bomb back at the enemy. Okay, so is it like um, square is punch, circle is tail whip or something? No, it's just just square. Just square. Oh, okay. Fair. Yeah, there's not a lot you can do with combat when you lock it to like one single button, is there? You do like hit and then charge attack sort of thing, jump attack, round pound. But... Yeah, there isn't really a lot of it within the combat. It does. It is a lot of fun, and like the way they've worked it around the different levels, like you can progress through the level, you get to like a, a climbing area where you've got nets above you. Or mm-hmm. grapple points. It's like there's grapple points and nets above you, so you can wall climb, but you use your ears. Yeah, yeah. Which is quite interesting. And if you hold down triangle while you're up, you your ears extend. Okay. So you can use you can use your tail whip and attack things and open crates as you're going across. But then you, when you do that, you can't actually move. So if you time it wrong, then you can still get hit by anything that's jumping out of the water or flying around you can't actually move out of the way and the other one is the the grapple points points which is quite interesting I thought that's quite a fun feature they put into it where you can jump there's particular areas where you have to jump and hold down square to grapple onto a hook to be able to swing across a, a larger gap oh, nice. so as I like to do on this show um, if you were to give it a score because you have finished it haven't you yeah I have finished it I've just got to do it again for the trophies like uh yeah so as i like to ask if you if you were to give it a score like eight of ten what would you give it i'd give personally after playing it finishing it and going through the whole story i think it could be it could have had a lot more depth it could have a lot more in it the storyline could have been a bit bigger um it's a great game it's a lot of fun to play but i'd give it a 6.5 cool and then uh moving on to the next game because unfortunately I was very busy this week, and I have have beat a game, but I'm not going to talk about it just yet. But you played it. You started another little game today. Do you want to give us a quick run on that? Yeah, I had a quick go over this uh, little game today because I didn't want to get anything big. Because I'm going to go out and get the quarry tomorrow, and I want to nice. delve into that. Um, so I just played this little rogue-like um, cartoon dungeon crawler. I'd call it, but the aesthetic of it, it's rather than being dungeons, you're in the forest and you're playing as a little bunny and you change your character of the bunny like in, with different outfit. Um, you can pick up different weapons, so there's different like machine, like, um, can't think what they're called now, uh, thing of the, fuck's sake, 
express machines like give you candy what are those called vending machines yes that's the one that's what I was looking for so there's little vending machines throughout like parts of the dungeons or areas that you go into where you can uh, spend the coins you've earned beating the enemies in the area to buy life like to buy a heart point or buy a weapon upgrade or buy mechanics that make your ability stronger and this game is called uh, Bunny Raiders yeah, did you pick this up on sale? Was it on sale, or did you pay full price? Uh, I can't remember when I picked this up. I just had oh, okay. to look. <laughs> I had to look through my PlayStation games and had to look what was in the library, and I saw that. Oh, I picked that up. But I think it may have been seven ninety nine or six ninety nine when I picked it up. Fair. So it was just something that sat in your backlog, yeah. Yeah. So I thought, oh, that's something little. I'll give that a bash. Nice, nice, cool. Um, and then, yeah, as Viz said, he's going to go pick up the quarry tomorrow. Um, and all my gaming time this week was spent playing the quarry. Um, and we're not going to talk about it now because we don't want to... I don't really want to, like, skirt around all the spoilers. Because I don't think that really gives a good sort of impression of what I thought of the game. But Viz has got a deadline to finish it by next week, which is wholeheartedly not a hard deadline to meet. Um, and then next week we're going to forego the trash talk at the beginning and we're going to put it at the very end of the show and we're going to do a little spoiler with what we found, what we saw, how it ended and stuff like that. So that should be a little bit of fun. We're looking forward to it already. I mean, I, I, yeah, it's not a spoiler. I had loads of fun playing this game, so I can't wait to talk about it with someone else. Are you going to try and do it again or have a couple? Put a couple more hours into it, see if you can get a few different endings. Or yeah, to be fair, I think I should be able to. Now I've played it once, I should be able to blast through it again um, in a quicker amount of time. It only took me nine hours the first time. I think I can get that down to maybe like six or seven. So that's like a day's play for me. Nice. So I should be able to do it again. But uh, Fizz, can you hear what's coming? I can. It's coming. Can. <laughs> it's coming. Chuka 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 chuka. It's the hype train. Choo choo. Uh, and this week's hype train, we're going to round up three trailers from me, three trailers from Viz, and three of the biggest titles that we think we saw at the entirety of the Summer Games Fest this past week. And then we're going to do a little uh, rundown of the Assassin's Creed showcase. Um, but Viz, would you like to kick us off with the first trailer you picked? Yeah. First trailer I picked was from Devolver Digital, and that is Cult of the Lambs. Can you remember seeing this one? Yeah, I can remember seeing that. Uh, beautiful little colourful game yeah. yeah when I saw this game when I was looking at it it just reminded me very much of like a game which we had in Trash Talk last week and that's the Swords of Ditto and they're made from the same developer I like the look of this game it's beautiful it's very colourful it's very fun but it's also quite gory yeah <laughs> so yeah. when watching the trailer you get this aesthetic where you're this cute little bunny going into the woods and you come across this massive snake and this warrior just comes out of the middle of nowhere that's a lamb and just chops it into like 20 different pieces and then he holds your hands and walks you through to his settlement and you think everything's all nicey-nicey but as you're walking past one of the characters is like digging a grave I don't know if you noticed that part in the trailer I think I might have missed that part but <laughs> yeah so one of the little like characters they got that it's in this settlement it's actually digging a grave and he stops and puts a shovel down and puts it in the grass and as the bunny and this lamb walk past again another character walks in and he's holding this swaddling wrapped up with a right, head okay, popping yeah. out and just chucks <laughs> it in the hole <laughs> so it's got very uh, funny roguelike 
um, settlement and I'm trying to think of the word cultist vibe to the game. Obviously, Cult of the Lamb, it just says a lot. But unfortunately, this game is actually going to release in 2023, so I'm hoping we're going to see a bit more on it and see a bit more gameplay. There's a lot of fun gameplay, so I'd say go and check this one out if you haven't already. Yeah, yeah. Um, as you said, very like it looks cute and cuddly to start with, but then there's there's blood everywhere and it seems sort of very sinister in the back burner. Um, I didn't realise it was coming out in 2023. That's a bit of a shame. I was hoping to play that sooner. But it's a very good pick for your first pick. Thank you. What you got coming first? Uh, so the first one I'm going to pick to talk about is a game called A Little to the Left. And uh, anyone that knows me will understand why I picked A Little to the Left. Because it's like this year's um, Unpacking. Have you, have you seen Unpacking, Biz? Uh no, I don't think I have. So unpacking is that is that the delivery company one? No, no. So unpacking is the one where like you start off and you're unpacking all your stuff into a bedroom, and it's literally like there are boxes on the floor. You take them out, and it's like oh here's a book, here's a little toy car, here's a teddy bear, and you've got to sort of like put them in the room, and then as more and more stuff comes out of the boxes, you've got to like move stuff around so that you can fit everything in. And it's that for like six or seven levels, but as you go on, like the story sort of tells it sort of tells a story outside of that mechanic because you go from you go from your childhood bedroom to to like your first university dorm to then your first moving out with a mate, and then I won't say where it goes from there, but it tells like this really nice narrative, really like a heartfelt narrative throughout these moves, and there are little things like. You've got this one teddy bear that always seems to appear every time you move. You've got like a rubber and a pencil case that are always with you um, for your entire life. So it's little sentimental things that you take with you forever. Um, but yeah, it was a really nice story. But this little to the left it like looks like the same sort of thing. There are lots of like puzzles where you tidy up your house, and there are like disinfectant bottles but they're like the nozzles are all different shapes when you have to tidy them up you have to put them in a sort of a certain order so that all the nozzles sort of like match up and they all interlock with each other which is really cool there was another scene where they were just arranging forks by size and then all of a sudden this little cat sort of like it leans in and it swipes everything away and it knocks all your good work over so it's, it seems like it's this nice, cute little sort of chill puzzle game, but then there's this like naughty little cat that will come and ruin everything. <laughs> and I'm hoping it's got like this nice little understory of some heartfelt thing. Um, but yeah, that was my favourite thing from Day of the Devs is uh, a little to the left. I do like it. Before we continue on to my next one, though, I do want to correct myself uh, for Call to the Lamb. It is actually being released this year. Okay, wicked. So, The Call to the Lamb will launch on PlayStation 5, Xbox, PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC via Steam on the August the 11th from the publisher Dove Digital and developed by Massive Monster. But if you did want to check it out, there is a demo available now on PC via Big Steam. Whoop, whoop. That, uh, that does get me excited that I can play it in like two months. I'm going to check it out. <laughs> so, I got it completely mixed up with a different game that I was thinking of. There's been that many. <laughs> I mean, I've been for like 200 in the past week. Um, so, yeah, half of them feel the same. Uh, yeah. Do you want to take us to your next one? Yeah, of course. Uh, so, my next game I chose for this because it reminded me a lot of Children of Mortar. And this is called No Place for Bravery. It is an action role-playing video game developed by Glitch Factory and published by Yes Bride Games. 
I think I pronounced that correctly. Um, so, No Place for Bravery is a 2D top-down action RPG which weaves together high-quality visuals and a string soundtrack and intense combat moments in a deep and effective tale of moral dilemmas and personal reflections of choices. So this game is very family-based, a lot like Children of Mortar. So I was under the impression it was from the same developers, but it's not. Going back into the game, it's a roguelike. You're going through different areas. You're tackling different monsters and getting new abilities and unlocking new members of the family, from what I can tell from the trailer. But I think I was sold that this is probably one of my favourite ones that I've seen over that, that showcase that it was in. Um, I'm pretty sure that was... Was it the, IGN Summer of Games? I think it was IGN Summer of Games. It was either that or Guerrilla Collective that it showed up at, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was either that one or Guerrilla Collective. I can't remember which one it was, but that's one one of the ones which stood out to me. I think we had a conversation about it the other day as well. Yeah, so um, people who listen will learn that me and Viz are super high on Children of Mortar. It's a, it's a game I introduced him to a couple of years ago, and we both really love it, so anything that comes along... That looks like Children of Mortar, um, we're going to be super hyped about. But yeah, when this trailer started, and it was, uh, it's got the same sort of like pixel art, sort of gloomy in dungeons, cutting stuff up, and there's a bit of blood, like Children of Mortar, and then it starts saying stuff about family. I think I was convinced that this was a sequel to Children of Mortar. It, it wasn't, but that doesn't matter because this still looks really good. Yeah, it still looks good. The gameplay and the style of the gameplay, I was, I'm well in for, and. I'm very dope with this game. I'm really looking forward to it, and I do really want to play it. Cool. So the next one I picked was a game that showed up at the PC gaming show, and was called Demon Souls. Uh, Demon Souls. Demon School. <laughs> I <always laughs> Demon Souls. Uh, did you check out Demon School? Yes, I did check out Demon School. It looks cool. Yeah. So Demon uh, Demon School is like 2D sprites set on a 3D background, churches and cemeteries and crypts, and obviously called school. It's got schools in it. It's like high school set in hell, but there's like a red and flames and all that sort of stuff around it. It seems very Persona-esque with its like uh, time elapsing mechanic. Like, seems like you get free, uh, free time during the day and you can do like a couple of objectives. And once that's done, like time moves on and then it's like night time and then you go and uh, into dungeons and sort of like have to beat bosses and stuff. And where this differs from Persona is that the combat was set on a grid-based... Um, yeah, it was a grid-based combat, and I'm a big lover of grid-based combat. It's like, it's turn-based combat, but it also involves, like, you having to tactically move yourself around to be in a position to take shots and to get away from enemies' attacks. Um, so I really love turn-based combat. Did you notice in the trailer that they, like, incorporated, like, combo moves between two different characters as well? Yeah. I thought that looked pretty cool. Yeah, so, like, area of effect, like... He does a move down the line and then get the next guy in, does another move. Um, that's something Disgaea does really well. You can like line people up next to each other and do multiple attacks and the combo goes up and up. And Yeah, yeah, really good. I did like the look of that. It did look nice. Dude, so the game I've next chosen is one that's most recently been showcased and this is called Cocoon. And this game is from a Limbo and Inside Designer launcher on xbox and pc in 2023 so cocoon is the next game for one of those designers and it's been announced and this is going to be coming to xbox series x xbox one and pc so it's going straight onto game pass unfortunately it's not something i'm going to be able to play straight away 
but I'm showcasing this one because I think it'd look beautiful. Uh, there's not a lot I can really say on it, but I can give you a brief explanation of what the game is actually about. It's a top-down action and exploration. The game's mysterious playable character was also featured who appears to have wings, and it seems portals and puzzle solving will be a big uh, big role in this game. And I think that is pretty much, that's all the game trailer showed. It showed you crashing down onto this planet, jumping out of this, jumping out of your ship, and you're this character with wings, and it's then traversing through the different levels, picking up orbs and moving it to a different orb with the different color of orbs. I think there's a red one, which you can put onto a green one, but it then creates a portal where you then drop through. You then progress through that next area and pick up different orbs to put on different portals. And I just like the whole design and the aesthetic of the game. I thought it, thought it looked beautiful and it got a great soundtrack to it as well. Yeah, so correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think we saw any combat in this trailer, did we? No, I didn't. I can't remember any combat in it. It's very, it's just puzzle. Yeah, like him rolling around a big uh, blue orb and onto a platform and then portaling into other places to yeah. new new puzzles and stuff yeah this game's not due to be released until next year so i'm hoping we're going to see a bit more on this before the end of the year yeah i'm sure we will but it was it's a lovely pick to be fair i thought this looked really nice yeah it's got the same sort of like pixel art as um no place for bravery it's that same sort of design um so the last one i'm bringing along is a game we've seen a couple of times before uh, but i thought it got a great show in this time and it's called planet of luna did you check this trailer out? I thought it, I thought it was Planet of Lana. Oh, it is, yeah. Sorry, I'm misreading. <laughs> it's Planet of Lana. I've read it down in my notes of Planet of Luna. Okay. But uh, on, the, on the script, it says Planet of Lana. Well done, me. <laughs> um, but yeah, this game has got like an absolutely beautiful art style. There's uh, big blue skies, like green grass, and it's all set like it looks like it's on the top of a cliffside. So the background is always like big cliffside vistas. Which looks absolutely beautiful yeah there's like big ball shaped mechs in the background they're like ball shaped and they got these long legs so they look quite imposing so we don't know what they are but then uh, obviously what sold it to me is the little boy running around with running around with what looks like a little alien-esque cat and he's got to do things like he gets on the raft and the cat doesn't like the raft so he because obviously cats don't like water he's a bit scared so he has to um, he has to do something in order to get the cat to get on the raft. But you go along these platform levels, um, helping each other get through. And there is like a need for the cat because the cat can like climb up things that the boy can't climb up, and the cat can turn switches and stuff like that. And then it showed the cat being able to communicate with aliens. Uh, these just like black spheric alien things that look really cool. Um, and I didn't see any dialogue in this at all. So it looked like it must be like environmental storytelling um, about this world that seems to have gone under. Um, but yeah, yeah, Planet of Luna is a, a game I'm very hyped for and it's coming out this year. Oh, is that one actually coming out this year? Yeah, yeah, it's coming out on Xbox and PC. Nice. So again, that's going straight to Xbox Game Pass. I'm not sure if they announced it was on Game Pass, but I, if it comes to Game Pass, like, fucking fabulous. But if not, then I'm still going to pick it up day one. Nice. Nice. So, are we ready to get into some big titles? Ooh. Yes, there is some big titles here. Ooh, do you want to take the first one, or would you like me to take it? I'll take the first one, you can finish with... No. What should we do this? Play tale. Um, I'll take the first one, that's fine with me. Yeah. It's 
It's more of my scene. I know you like it, but it's more of my scene. So the first one we've got up, got coming up is The Last of Us Part 1 Remaster. And I'm hyped for this game. I've finished this game two or three times now. Like the amount of times they've remade it and remastered it on different mm -hmm. consoles, but I'm looking forward to this coming to PlayStation 5. It looks gorgeous. I know there's been a lot of people that have been talking about it over the past week, saying they've changed the art style slightly, and like there's parts of the scenes which they seem different. But to me, I don't think that. I don't care about that. I want to see how the game feels. I want to see how it looks. I know they've added a lot more combat and a lot more depth into the game, so I'm one, I'm wanting to see how that turns out. Yeah, so they did say when uh, Neil Druckmann was on stage at the Summer Games Fest that they've like they've reworked mechanics and stuff like that, so it is going to play a little different uh, to what we used to. Um, watching the trailer, I very much felt like it was it was how I remembered The Last of Us. Do you know what I mean? You just remember things and they're, they're kind of outlines rather than detailed uh, memories. Yeah. So, um, But then once they showed the side-by-side, -side, you could see that there was like so much work they put into improving improving the graphics and the backgrounds and all the aesthetics in the game. So yeah, I think it looks really cool. Are you are you planning to pick this up uh, day one or are you going to wait for it? I'm plan I would like to pick this up on day one. I know it's like three months away, something like that. Yeah, I think uh, it's gone up on, on like the gaming websites now. I think it's sixty five pound. See, that's not too bad. That price might change. But you hope it saying change. that, <laughs> I hope it changes. Uh, but no, that's generally the standard price you're looking at for big AAA titles at the moment in in the UK. You're looking at sixty five pound, if not more. Yeah, so yeah. I'm. I think I'm happy to pay sixty five pound for it because it's a remaster and not a remake. If it was a rem if it was a remake, then I think it'd be... No, yeah, sorry. If it was a remaster, <laughs> it'd be a bit different story. It'd be a bit dubious as paying £65 for something that's just been hyped up a little bit. Mm -hmm. But as it's been remade and they've put a lot of effort and a lot of work into it, I think the prices will justify it. So I have not yet managed to put myself on PS5. Um, so there's, I don't think there's a PS4 version. If there was, there wouldn't be any point in picking it up because uh, we've already got a PS4 version. So it might be something that I have to actually wait for until I get a PS5. Oh, I don't know. You never know. You might be able to pick it up as a um, as a thingy edition, a collector's edition. Yeah, maybe. Um, I have heard speculation that this will probably come to the uh, PlayStation tier system within like six to twelve months because it's, it's a solid Sony title. It's one of their flagship things, and it's something they can do to boost the numbers of subscribers. Like once it starts waning. Well, now you've told me that, I might just have to wait. <laughs> you see, I think I think it probably is worth the wait. Like sixty-five, pounds for a game that you've played at least two times. I've played at least three times. It's, uh, yeah, not something I'd spend seventy, sixty quid on. Sixty-five. Yeah, saying that, especially if it's going to the tier system, the amount the tier system is going to be, I think it's probably worthwhile waiting for it. Cool. And then next up on our list was a game that we're both super excited for. And that was called A Plague Tale Requiem. And this showed up at uh, Tribeca Games, where they did sort of like a developer diary-esque. Um, so it was a bit of a slower pace. We didn't really get to see a whole lot. But then it did turn up again at the Xbox showcase. And it did have a did have a release date. It had a release, still had the release year, didn't it? It had the release year. You still say it's coming out this yeah, year. Yeah, it's still coming out this year, but it didn't actually give a release date. 
Yeah, and uh, so when we were watching this, we were speculating that it was set maybe like five years later, because Amicia, I believe her name was, and I can't remember the boy's name now. I want to say it's like Lucas or something. I think it's something like Lucas. Yeah, but yeah, so the uh, Amicia and the boy, um, the boy looked a lot older. He went from looking like 10 years old to now looking like a young teen, and then Amicia looked like she was in her early 20s. Um, so we're speculating that it's like five years on um, but yeah this game looks fantastic like the rat mechanics like rats as sort of like water if you get me like they'll burst through doors and sort of hit the other wall across the corridor and sort of like splash up into the air and, and come at you and yeah the, the original Plague Tale Plague Tale Innocence it was called wasn't it <clears throat> absolutely incredible game yeah and I think that's a, very much a sleeper hit for a lot of people who didn't notice it when it first came around uh, Playtale Innocence is it's got the sort of uh, like the set the same sort of set pieces as like you get in uh, like The Last of Us and Uncharted and that sort of stuff but it's more set in like a plague ridden European city in the 14 1600s and the big showpiece is like these swarm of rats but yeah oh, is, is it like the the companionship of like one another like you've got with The Last of Us and the companionship between brother and sister it just makes the game feel a lot more in depth is that the way like there's part of the storytelling because you're your siblings and you're trying to work together to be able to get through this plague yeah yeah so Amicia is very much the one who can do stuff and the uh young boy was the one who can't do really anything at all and you kind of have to leave it lead him through and make sure he can get across the path and she's got like she can use uh poison and a slingshot and stuff like that sort of like a stealth isn't it really yeah it's a very stealth game there's not a lot of close combat in it no no if you go up against the guard who's got a weapon like you're getting your ass kicked mm. yeah no getting through that so looking at the trailer that they put on or put up on the xbox and Bethesda Showcase, it's like watching Lucas and Alicia's asking him to use his abilities, so I think we're going to see a lot more of like Lucas gameplay in this next part of the series, which really intrigues me and makes me, like, I want to see how this comes out. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be interested to see what he's got and what he can do. Yeah, that adds a lot more. Nice. So, and the last one we've got coming up is Starfield. Wow. I think this took over the whole of the Xbox and Bethesda Showcase. They left this one right till the end, didn't they? They did, yeah. I think this was the one that everyone was anticipating the most. This is the one that we needed to see stuff on. It looks super amazing. Like the amount you can do into it, uh, and the amount that they're saying they're actually going to be able to do with it, it's just astounding. It's something they're talking about thousand planets yeah. that you're able to visit and are going to be completely populated but you can actually just land wherever you want on these planets not only that but you can build your own ship yeah and fly off in it right down to like the different parts of the engine different how you want the ship to look no wonder it's taken so long and been put back so much the amount of the expectations they're putting into it yeah so they did say um he did that. He did a massive flex where he was like, "Oh, and this is this is a planet, and uh, yeah, so you could land over here where there's a city, or you could land 
anywhere you want on the planet because you can land anywhere you want on planets. And then they scaled back and they were like, you can land on any planet in this solar system where you ever you want. And it was like, but not just this solar system. And then it pulled back and back again. And then he was like, yeah, there's like over a thousand planets. And it was just like, oh, that's absolutely brain melting to think that there are mm-hmm. a thousand planets in this game. And I think he did say that um, some of them would be like barren and resource rich. And then others would be like populated with cities and stuff. So I think the the devil of the detail will come down to like how many of these a thousand planets have actual things to do on them uh, rather than just being like, oh, this is the rock planet that's full of iron and this is the ice planet where you can get lots of this stuff. But I'm hoping a thousand planets means that there's like so much to do that if I really wanted to dedicate my time to this game, then I'd probably never need to buy another game. You get me? It's one that I could just... I could just sit in and my character would get to level like 450 and be an absolute behemoth. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you could have every gun in the every gun in the game and store them all on your ship and go out and find a nice little planet that uh, will get you good gold or whatever they call their monetary value in this and you can just yeah farm that and stuff. So do you reckon, like, with what they're saying, like, each of the thousand planets is going to be populated, and if you're going to actually visit every single one of those planets, do you reckon they're going to have the mechanic in the game where you'll come to a character and it's a fetch quest, a fetch quest to go and get something for one planet? I think so, yeah. Like, Skyrim introduced um, perpetual errands, I think they were. So they weren't, like, fully written side quests, but they were perpetual errands. So if you went into a tavern, the barkeep would be like, oh, my wife is sick, she needs um, five nightingale leaves um, in order to make a cure. So that that would pop up in your errands list and you could go and do that, come back and get money. So I'm sure they probably like perfected that system and there'll be lots and lots of people within these a thousand planets that will give you quests like that so you can just keep going and keep making money and keep having interactions. Right. It's going to be interesting. It looks fabulous. It's like even down to the part of like the different textures in the character design that you can do as well. Yeah, so it looked like a very uh, clean version of Fallout. So we've seen Fallout's like yeah. post-apocalyptic, everything's quite dirty, but like this was set in space and like the guns had like uh, nice lines to them. They were sharp and they were clean and the world sort of like looked bright and vibrant and yeah, everything looked clean and smooth. It's probably not something I'll be picking up straight away, but it just depends on when it's actually released. I would like to pick it up straight away. So I think they put it out on, I think it's now coming in 2023, but it is currently, Yeah. I don't know if they've announced it's coming to PlayStation because Microsoft have brought that studio. Oh yeah, of course they have. With, with, the, with the name recognition Bethesda's got, I think it would be stupid not to put Starfield out like put Starfield's coming day one on Game Pass so everyone with an Xbox is going to play it but then everyone who doesn't have an Xbox will be willing to fork out that £65-70 to play it so it's just uh, you're throwing yeah. money away if you don't release it elsewhere to be honest I th- it will go to other consoles and it will go it will sell like the the amount they put into it and I know there's a lot of people out there that are waiting for this game it's one of those big games of this season that people are in so we've got to see more of yeah. this 
But cool. So that was uh, pretty much all of our, our takes from Summer Games Fest. And then today we had a nice little Assassin's Creed showcase. Um, Fizz, do you have some thoughts on this? What a waste of six minutes. <laughs> have, you, have you spent six minutes better in your life, yeah? Yeah. I could have pressed R to hold hands and played with my tentacle. Whoa, mate. Uh, love, love it, love it. Done that a few times. Uh, so, the Assassin's Creed um, showcase today was all about the 15th anniversary celebration. Beginning of the showcase, we were talking a lot about the North mythology and how Thor and Loki and Ragnarok falls into what they're doing with Valhalla. So there is another update coming towards the end of this year. Uh, not towards the end of this year. Over the next month called Forgotten Saga. Yeah. So it's the next part of the Valhalla series. And by the end of the year, they will have released the last one. Uh, we've just got to wait to find out what that's going to be. With this new um, Forgotten Saga, there's also new tombs, challenge pack. Also, a roguelike inspired journey that they've actually put into this new saga that they've decided to add on, which would be quite interesting to see how that works as well. Uh, and the other thing they've added is the Discovery Tour, uh, which you, you will, the people know the Assassin's Creed series is also on Origins and, and Odyssey. So they're bringing one in for Valhalla called the Viking Age. And they're in collaboration with part of the school curriculum, so they're actually using this in schools, which is pretty cool as well. Yeah, yeah, it's super cool that they um, they decided to do that uh, with the start of Origins at this Discovery Tour thing. In like, I've never I've never gone in and looked at it myself, but it's always something I thought is really really cool. I had a look at it on Origins, and saying that the whole of the Assassin's Creed series, it's always had that same sort of aesthetic to it. Um, apart from the first one I think it was the second one, Assassin's Creed 2 definitely had it in because you'd go to different points of the city and you could go into the like biography of that particular part and it'd give you a scripture of what that building is, I don't know if you can remember that yeah yeah, there's always been like uh, historical accuracies and then like um, them sort of like artistic impression yeah. of what they want to do with the game but yeah it's really nice that they do sort of like set themselves in history and different points of history um to be fair i thought you would have lost your mind when assassin's creed assassin's creed assassin's creed uh mentioned the words roguelike uh i did sort of lost, lose my mind but it's gonna be it's gonna be weird <laughs> how they actually put that into the whole assassin's creed like series like into Valhalla. I can't imagine it yeah. being the same road like what we're used to, um, but how they use that within it, I think we've, we'll have to wait and see more on the Forgotten Saga to find out, really, because they didn't really show much. Yeah, so did you finish um, Valhalla? Uh, I'm still halfway through it. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. So I put, I put 148 hours into it and I platinumed it. From what they showed today, I was like, oh, I've it's really giving me the itch to go back in. Yeah. But I don't know if I want to because because I spent so much time in it already. I don't know if I want to go back in and do more Valhalla. But I, my character's so like my character's so OP. And he's using double daggers and double daggers like stun locks people as soon as you attack them. Yeah, the roguelike mechanics 
like they don't phase me like I feel like I'm so tough in that game that I don't think I don't feel like I, I would die at any point I'd be able to breeze right through it we'll see I might skip it for a while and then if we get a like a compressed version or a cheaper like game of the year sort of bundle I might pick it up there then because I believe the season pass is like 32 quid at the moment and then Ragnarok is like another 25 quid on top of that so we're talking like 60 pound just to play the DLC stuff that isn't part of the original story the main story yeah I'm a bit annoyed with that because Ragnarok wasn't part of the, the like the season pass because I got the season pass for the game so what's the point of me buying the season pass yeah yeah it's kind of like when games do oh they do a season pass and then they release oh you need season pass 2 to get like these additional characters and it's like no nah, no nah. I fought I fought the extra thirty quid up front when I brought the game before you told me what was in the season pass to get everything that comes with this and now you're telling me there's a year two version of the season pass. It's fucking bullshit. Yeah, it is bullshit. I think the last thing they finished off on that as well was the which is available now and they've got a free event over the weekend from the sixteenth to twentieth and that's the Origins sixty FPS, which is free. Nice, nice. See, I've got uh, Orange has just come on to Game Pass. I've got an itch to play it, but I kind of want to pick it up for my PS4 because it's one of the ones in, on a physical copy that I don't have yet. Um, I think I'm only missing like two or three of the Assassin's Creed series on physical copy. So if I go back and play it, I want to play it on my PS4 and I want nice. to go and buy that disc. But I think it isn't, from what the, I got from the video, it's only available for digital for the 60 FPS. I'm not sure if that's going to physical yet or not. Okay, I'm sure if it's an update, it'll just be it'll be everywhere. Uh, but it's okay. whether it's an update that only works on like PC Series X and S and PS Five or yeah, I don't know if it'll be on PS Four. My PS Four's uh, slow and loud. I don't think it'll handle sixty FPS. <laughs> and then the uh, the last thing they did was um, which was really really annoying. Uh, please come back in September to learn more about the future of Assassin's Creed. Well, cheers for that. <laughs> yeah, it's like no, no. I've I've sat here patiently for yeah, maybe only four, five and a half minutes. But I've sat here patiently to learn the future of the Assassin's Creed series, and you tell me to come back um, in like three months' time. Mm-hmm. It was an announcement of announcement. It's a plan to make a plan. So I guess we will revisit this in like three months' time to tell you what the future of uh, Assassin's Creed is. But I think you've probably given up on the showcase after that, but I so, I sort of caught the end of it, and this. They went into talking to the uh, the writers of the comics and the new book series as well, which is coming out. Okay, so I was I was on my break at the point, um, but I did watch for like another fifteen minutes. I had had it on in the background while I was like scrolling through my phone and stuff. Yeah, so they got a new book series coming out from a different writer, which I'm quite interested in because I've got the whole of the series for the books, and okay, yeah, the new series is called the. Macus Conspiracy by Kate Hartfield. Uh, I'm quite interested to have a look at that that next trilogy and see what that brings into the series as well. Cool. I think we'll go, we'll get to a little bit more Assassin's Creed later if that's cool with you. Yeah, it's fine. Cool. So now it's time for the OCR. This is where we send Viz to do re, uh, to Review City for Boots on the Ground live coverage of our recent releases. Uh, and this week we've got three games and we're going to start off with the quarry which uh, time of recording was sat at an 82 oh 
I'd like to say it's still at it. Is it moved? Yeah. It's actually? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's now sat at 80. 80. Yeah, it's dropped too. Okay. Fair. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I've got my reasons, but I'm not mad. Yeah. A bit disappointed. No, I was quite excited to 82, but 80 is still really good. I'm still hyped for it. Yeah. I'm still going out tomorrow morning and getting it, so it doesn't phase me. So let's have a look at what people are saying. So, Metro Game Central. An impressive technical achievement and the right condition as an entertainment movie experience. But it's both a horror film that's not scary and a video game that's barely interactive. So what's your opinion on that, Viz? Because I know you've played this. Uh, Sev, I know you've played this. <laughs> you haven't played it yet. Um, yeah, I can agree with... Um, you played Until yes. Dawn, haven't you? I finished Until Dawn. So you kind of... Yeah, yeah, you kind of get the gist of um, how Until Dawn plays and how that lacks, like... A lot of gameplay mechanics that most games have you kind of you wander around and then you choice-based decisions um, and that's essentially what the quarry is it plays very much like until dawn except the wandering around parts are in smaller areas so it feels less expansive um, but the the story is very much it's a tighter told story it's a better told story okay so we've got Sev's point of view on that as well. Uh, the other ones we've got here, we've got 8.5 out of 10, 9 out of 10, 8.5, 70 out of 100. So they've, it's got a very high rated game, it's just that one review that just doesn't seem to give it justice. So it still doesn't deter me from going out and getting this tomorrow. I'm still hyped for it, I'm still going to play it. Yeah, it's very much like um, an interactive experience rather than a full-on game, but it's still very much an experience that you should all experience. Wicked. And then next up, we had a Mario Strikers Charged, which at time of recording had a 76. Mario Strikers is still sat at 76, with a 53% on the critics recommend. Man, that's harsh, like 76, 76 score, but only 50%, 53% of people will recommend you play it. I thought this would do better. Mm-hmm. Like from my personal opinion, I thought it would do great. I thought they'd have a lot more into it than what they had with the original Mario Strikers game. But unfortunately, it's just not hit that standard which people want, really. Um, there is some mixed reviews in it as well. It's got a lot of sevens and eights, uh, which is quite surprising. Uh, we've got a six from Game Revolution and a no recommendation and blank from Eurogamer. Okay. Mario Strikers returns with a stripped-back entry for switches that's ultimately less fun to tackle. Oh, okay. They didn't enjoy that game very much. No. <laughs> <laughs> Mario Strikers Battle League's core gameplay is fun, but it's just not enough to justify the incredible slim package offered. There's little to do <coughs> for online players, and even less for those looking for a fun offline single-player game. With it for Mario Sports games in general, Nintendo fans were hoping for a hat-trick here for the third entry in the Mario Strikers series, but were instead left with an own goal. Yeah, so I played um, I played previous like Mario Sports game, and uh, with the Switch, Nintendo very much seems to like they release them with not a lot of content, and then as the months go on, they add more and more stuff into it. Like I picked up Mario Mario Golf Mario Super Chargers Golf and I picked that up like a month ago and that's had uh, many many like updates so it's got more characters and more courses and more modes and stuff like that so it's definitely a better package now but uh, Mario Strikers Charged at the moment I've heard people like 
they beat the single player content in under four hours. And I think it's just a, oh wow yeah I think it's just a couple of like cups and the cups are like uh, eight teams which which uh, boils down to you playing like three matches three or four matches uh, with varying difficulty but then there are only like ten characters to choose from so if you've got four on your team and they've got four on their team whether they are the same characters or different characters like you're gonna come up you're gonna come up against the same sort of people all the time. So yeah, it just it doesn't seem like a whole lot to do. I was hyped for this. I was gonna pick it up, but after the reviews come out, I was just like, no, I'm gonna leave it. If they, if they add a lot of stuff in within twelve months, then I might pick it up. But if they don't, then it'll just be one that I never play. Yeah, looking at these like reviews, and I think my personal opinion opinion is, if you were going to get it, I'd wait for a while and see if they do add any a lot more into it. Unfortunately, that was Strikers Charged, and then the last game of the week which I won't call a poo-poo turd because it got over a 70 and anything over a 70 is not a poo-poo turd. It's classed as good. But it's uh, Demon Slayer. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to remember the name without actually... Because um, <laughs> we haven't got it written down. Uh, Demon Slayer, Hybro no Katsu, <laughs> no Kamiyami Chronicles. Yeah? Let's go with that. So it, it's Kometsu no Yaiba. <laughs> Himoko Kami Chronicles. So I'm sorry if I swore at anyone in Japanese. I don't mean to offend anyone on this podcast. <laughs> but yeah, at time of recording, it was sat at 71. Uh, it's still no mover. It's still sat at 71. Uh, it's got a fair open critic rating and a 44% on recommend. So not uh, not a great follow-up in the series. Okay. Um, so we got 7 out of 10, 6.5, 80 out of 100, 76, 6.5 again, 7 out of 10. So I think it's got the score it deserves uh, from what people are saying. So we'll look here. Demon Slayer, uh, it's a decent broader adaption that asks you to already have a bit of background on the source material to truly enjoy it. In that sense, it joins a very crowded space of many other anime games before it, and many of you out there know where you stand on these. It's got a lot to battle with, with a lot of anime games which are already out there, really. Uh, One from IGN Italy here. We've got... It lacks content, and the story mode playing feels old. Even so, the combat system shines thanks to some minor tweaks and adjustments, and the PvP is as fun as it should be. Sadly, you have to endure a pretty bad six hours campaign before you are allowed, finally allowed to participate in some downright spectacular battles with fun roster of characters. So that sounds painful. Yeah, it, it sounds like something that's um, for the fans of the series and uh, won't really won't really appeal to anyone apart from that. Yeah, so that's your um, reviews for Demon Slayer. Nice. I think most of them are all along the same lines. Is they're all there's no major shiners on here. They're all sitting at sevens, eights, seventy six. Yeah, you there's no nine out of ten or eight out of tens here. Now it's time for the draft. In this game, both players will take turns to pick picking games and guessing scores. Lowest score wins. And going over last week's results. Uh, Seth is currently sat at 1 and Viz is sat at 2. But with the games we did last week, uh, Viz predicted an 81 for Mario Strikers, which came in at a 76. Seth predicted a 79 for The Quarry. So now sat at, did you say it was yeah, an 80 now? Yeah, Seth sat at an 80. 
then Seb predicted that Metal Max Xena Reborn would get a 72, it got a 73, and Biz predicted that Postal Brain Damage would get a 75, which unfortunately didn't get a score. And then, as we just covered, the Demon Slayer, Kaimetsu no Yaba, the Hikami Karani Chronicles, uh, Fizz predicted a 78, I predicted a 77, and it came in at a 71. You're obviously the clear winner this week. Yeah, yeah, so without even adding the totals up, I think I got... I was one point off Metal Max, and I was one point off the Quarry, and you were like five points off Mario Strikers, so I got a win for that one. So I'm yeah. very happy to announce that we're now drawing. It's 2-2. They could all change <laughs> next week. Well, it's got to change, I think we can't be drawing next week. Once One of us is going ahead. Uh, this week, we've got Final Vendetta, TMNT Shredder's Revenge, Neon White, and Red Eye 2. Viz, which game would you like to take first? Hmm. I'm just reviewing my sources. What have you got? Ketchup and HP. Yep. I know you don't like mayo. <laughs> I got Frank's oh, hot nice, sauce nice. as well. Got to have a bit of hot sauce. I'm gonna go with neon white. Yeah. And I'm gonna go with a solid 75. Oh, so that's not. That's exactly not what I expected you to pick uh, for the first game. Okay. Why? What was you expecting me to? Pick I, I was expecting you to take um, Ninja Turtles. To be fair, I thought that would be the first one out of the block. I was, but I'm dubious about the score. I thought I'd leave that okay. for you. So go on, then. I'm going to be a brave boy, <laughs> and I'm going to take uh, Shredder's, Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge, and I'm going to say a 79. Nice, okay. That's exactly what I would have gone if I was going to go for it. But Okay, I'm going to go with then Red Out 2. I'm going to go 76. Oh, nice, solid, solid. Um, so that leaves me with Final Vendetta. Which I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with a 70. I think TMNT is gonna eat its lunch, um, and it's not gonna stand up. So uh, recency bias will come into play there. Yeah. I think it's gonna get a 70. Okay. So uh, just to recap, Sev had both the brawlers this week, and he took Final Vendetta at a 70 and Shredder's Revenge at a 79, whereas Viz took Neon White for a 75 and Red Eye 2 for a 76. Now it's time. For some hidden gems. Here, we like to highlight some hidden gems we would recommend for you. Uh, Fitz, would you like to go first or second? I'll go second this week. You can go first. <sighs> Take a deep breath. <gasps> Keep talking. <laughs> this week, my hidden gem is a game I'm enamoured with, and it's called Catherine. And this was a game from Atlas. That is a uh, if you've ever seen it on store shelves, it's a pink box with sheep on it. <laughs> It's a puzzle slash dating simulator dating simulator s game where you play Vincent, who has a girlfriend called Catherine with a C, and uh, in getting drunk at a bar one night, uh, is introduced to a girl called Catherine with a K, um, and she's very much like a very pretty woman who I believe is like all of Vincent's desires, like the ideal woman for him, but this game is. It bases itself in like this dating simulator-esque, but every time Vincent goes to sleep, he has nightmares, and inside this nightmare, he he becomes... He doesn't become a sheep, but everyone around him is a sheep. Everyone in the dreams is a sheep. When you hang out at the bar, there are different people around, and if you talk to them, you realise... Like, they don't say it in the bar, but when you talk to them as a sheep, 
in between these puzzles, you realise that they are the people in the bar. So the more you talk to different people, the more you can help people escape this really weird dreamscape. Because it's a, it's a block moving puzzle and you've got to climb up the wall to get to the next landing. But as you're going up, the bricks below you are falling down. Um, and you can use various different techniques like they'll teach you some of the sheeps on the landings will teach you like the tornado technique the like push bridge technique um, before you go up to the next platform you get uh, you sit in this little like confessional booth and this weird sort of like eerie voice will ask you these questions and uh, one of the questions I picked out particularly is like, um, he asks you, does life begin or end at marriage? And like, depending on what you pick will uh, alter your like good evil meter. And then depending on where your meter sits by the end of the game, you will get a different um, ending. Like you can choose to try and be with Catherine with a K. You can choose to try and be with Catherine with a C and then in the full body edition which is available on ps4 uh there's the, added an extra character called rin which is obviously short for catherine um so yeah there's three different paths um and there's this really cool really quirky puzzle game that i fucking love playing every single year yeah if you haven't seen catherine um, it's definitely a unique experience a lot of people say uh the witcher 3 was their game of the generation for the ps4 generation uh, but for me, it's Catherine, so everyone should check it out. Wicked, you you told me about this game. And I did, I, I think you brought it in the end, didn't you? You got it. I did buy it in the end, and it was actually my game challenge last year, because I finished it last year, and it's something that I do want to go back to. Yeah? How, how did you find the experience? I really enjoyed it. It's not only difficult, but it's interesting. The amount of times I've had to replay a level and try and go a different route and rewind. And I got so confused, like, trying to manoeuvre around the different block. But I stuck at it, I really enjoyed it, and I said, no, I'm going to play this. And following the story, it's, it's quite confusing. <laughs> Yes, but you need to follow it because otherwise you wouldn't understand. Yeah, it's definitely got um, a lot of complexity to like the narrative it's telling. Like, I won't spoil the ending, but the ending is like it's a big bombshell when you realise what this whole thing is. Like, he's uh, like, what? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, the so the the consequences are like in the dreams. If you fall, you die. And there are like people in the real world who have died uh, in their sleep. Uh, males is what they are. They're male people. Male people. Um, yeah, boys. Uh, boys die in their sleep, um, and they all see. They all appear to be like people, sheep you've met in your dream. So all these sheep are like scrambling up these blocks, uh, and Vincent doesn't want to be another sheep that dies. Uh, and then yeah, the twist at the end is like is really 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 cool. Cool. So do you want to hit us with your hidden gem? Yeah, so my hidden gem is actually a bit different this week. I wanted to reach out to some of the people we talked to in our Discord. Uh, Discord. The hidden gem this week actually comes from Kyle from the RPG Era, Era Officiated Discord channel. You'll also recognise him from the Max Level podcast and the podcast he hosts, for, hosts himself, The Media Files. And the game we've gone with this week is Spiritfire. He's given me a brief idea of his thoughts on what this game is. And he said, yeah, I love Spirit Fair. It's gorgeous, it's visual, it's got an awesome soundtrack, and it's got really touching narrative writing story towards it. Uh, you help transport souls to the afterlife. It is 
really sweet or very sweet in many places and gets very very sad occasionally but it's one of the games that he would go back to over and over again um he's also done a review on this game so if you want to have a look at the full review uh pop over to the rpgera.com um website and you'll find the spirit of Thera review on there uh, the reason I chose this and wanted to speak about this this week is because, unfortunately, I can't play it. It's something that I want to play, and I wanted to reach out to other people to find out what their opinions are, because I do actually want to play this, and I think it's something that people in my position that are on the PlayStation or haven't particularly got Xbox or Nintendo Switch, this is why I would see it as a hidden gem, because it's something that mm-hmm. I would necessarily have the capability of being able to enjoy that experience of the game yeah that's cool so um i did download this on game pass but i never actually played it uh, and then yeah the uh the parts might have been sad because by helping people go on into the afterlife um i don't deal with sad games that well um, so i probably would cry so i never actually played it but yeah it's good thank you kyle for giving us a recommendation and uh, giving us some thoughts on this and anyone else who's got a hidden gem like, please let us know, because there's only so many hidden gems me and Viz can come out with before we need you guys to give us hidden gems that we can check out. Honestly, reach out to us. What I'll do is I'll copy this link into our Discord channel, so you can find us on the Discord. Uh, we've got a channel on there for the fans are way too noisy, so I'll pop it in there if you struggle to find the review. You can always come and find us and find it there. Nice. Are we ready for the second, final segment? Yeah. Uh, so this week I called it I once ranked six times in a single day and by the end nothing came out <laughs> in our final segment in our final segment of the show we will prove that the fans are way too noisy and we have our opinions on everything that's right, it's time to rank everything and this week on the block chosen by me is pizza, flat pack furniture Assassin's Creed socks and getting something in your eye Fizz, <laughs> which would you like to take first? okay I'm going to go with pizza. I'll go with the easy choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, pizza, I actually love pizza. Um, it's definitely going to be high on the on the scale for me. Are we going with toppings on pizza or just pizza in general? Or are they got pizza? Oh, pizza as a whole, mate. What, are your, what do you normally go with as your toppings on pizza? My favourite pizza, not necessarily toppings, is a double decadence meteor. And for those in like over the seas that don't know what that is it's two thin and crispy pizzas like really thin and crispy pizzas in the middle of those you've got a cheese sauce and barbecue sauce then on the top you've got barbecue sauce covered in cheese uh, you can choose to have chilli sauce on if you wanted to it's something I would go with but then it's also got meatballs ground beef pepperoni ham um, pastrami you name it, what meats can be on there, and they're on there. And it's absolutely beautiful because when you cook in, cut into it, all that cheese in, in cheese in the middle of the stuffed crust, uh, in the middle of the two thin and crispies, just melts in your mouth and works really well with barbecue sauce. Beautiful. My mouth is watering right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I say, mate, you're making me so hungry, I really want barbecue sauce right now. Yeah, I like, I like my pizzas to have like, um, I like chicken and jalapenos and sweet corn and mushrooms and stuff like that and herbs and yeah a bit of chilli sauce and some garlic and herb sauce and oh, there's just so much you can do with a pizza that one of the, one of yeah. the best creations ever 
Yeah, I think I might order a pizza now. I've already had a Chinese, but I want a pizza as well. Now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look. I'm gonna have to forage through the freezer and see if I've got any pizzas in there. <laughs> right, I'd like to go with pizza at number four. Number four. Yeah. So uh, above music, but below G Fuel. Yeah. Hey. I'm oh, sorry. I'm reading. I'm reading it the wrong way around. <laughs> below music, but above G Fuel. Yeah. Cool. I'm. I'm not against that. Uh, just. Uh, just to go over. it. Do you always have a thin and crispy base? Do you, do, do you go deep pan? No, I do do deep pan as well. Or stuffed crust, dough balls. Like pizza, they do dough balls, don't they? Yeah, yeah. See, I always go, I always find uh, uh, deep pan's just too much extra bread. Like, I want the toppings to speak for themselves. I want the pizza to speak for itself. I don't just want extra dough. Just, so just I always a, go with thin and crispy. Just a medium base is, like, good enough. But if it's going to be thin and crispy, it's got to be a double decadence. That's the only time I go yeah. for feeling crispy because I feel it just falls apart otherwise. It needs to have some sort of like substance to the dough. Fair, fair. And then uh, just because it's a thought on my mind, do you like cold pizza? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can eat pizza cold. Cold pizza or hot pizza, which would you prefer? Depends what time of day it is. If I'm hanging in the morning, it's definitely cold pizza, but if it's being delivered, it's going to be hot. Buffet's cold. I could eat it either way. <laughs> yes, yeah, I think if I was forced to choose, then I'd take cold pizza all the time. Like, I fucking love cold pizza. Um, but 90% of the time, I will eat the entire pizza and have no pizza left to have cold pizza in the morning. Um, the other week, yeah. I brought two pizzas because they had a pickup deal. And the, uh, I ate one on the way home and then managed to finish the other one whilst at home. I was very <laughs> drunk. But yeah, even buying two pizzas doesn't work for me. Uh, a double decadence doesn't last ten minutes. But no, like, no. if it was going to be a, like a deep dish one, then I would be there would be too much dough there because I'd, I'd have some left over. But I, I think it all depends on the situation. But yeah, ninety percent of the time, I think I go with hot pizza because I prefer hot food. I'm not a massive fan for like something that's supposed to be hot and you have to eat it cold. I just can't do it. Fair, fair. Cool. So pizza in at number four. Do you know what? Next up, I'm going to pick socks. 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 We had a discussion last week on boxes, and I didn't really like boxes because my boxes always get sweaty and sticky. <laughs> and it's not great. But socks are a different thing entirely. I've got socks on now. I don't mind wearing socks around the house. But I have a big issue with not wearing socks in my shoes when I go out. Like, I don't understand people who or wear shoes and not wear socks, if you get me. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, so do you, do you personally, do you always wear socks, or do you never wear, do you wear, do you walk outside without socks on your shoes? At home, I walk outside without so- without socks on. But do you ever put shoes on without your socks, no. and then go out and about? That's what, that's what trainer socks. I just find it like, your feet get sweaty, and if they sweat into your shoes or your trainers, it's just gross, isn't it? No, I, I hate having cold feet as well. Yeah? So, it's, I get at home, I have a shower, like take all my like dirty yeah. stuff off, have a shower and put fresh stuff on. So I can't put the same socks on. I can't go barefoot. I don't want my feet to get cold, so I put a fresh pair of socks on. Oh yeah, fresh pair of socks, good. Good. And you've got to like Fair. you've got to go buy new pairs of socks every like let's say three or four months because they start to wear out, don't they? Yeah, they do. It's always nice to have a nice new pack of socks and put them on. So if I had to pick somewhere for socks to go. I'm going to say socks are better than Thatcher's. No, socks are better than in-betweeners, but not as good as Thatcher's. Blood orange. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm not in any disagreement with that. Cool. We're getting on well here. What would you like to take next? 
I'm going to go with flat pack furniture. Who yeah. loves flat pack furniture? I fucking do, me. Try <laughs> me. I fucking love how's, it. How's your new desk? Oh, it's beautiful. I'll send you a photo. Like, it took me about two hours to make. Uh, to start, it was very <laughs> overwhelming. But then once yeah. I got into... Once I got into the groove of realising what screws were going where and what little... Because some of them have, like... They have funny screws that, like, you have to screw in one end and then they connect to the other wood. But then you don't screw them in the other side. You put this little, like, metal thing in that you then twist and it sort of clips the screw. Yeah. So clever. Whoever invented that needs a gold star. I'll buy them a <laughs> pound. Um, but, yeah, I brought this along because my new desk is proper swanky and I fucking love it. Um, and I really enjoy making flat pack furniture. See, I'm with you on that. I I personally don't mind making flat pack furniture. It's just when it comes in in like six different boxes. Why? Oh yeah, they were definitely like they've got all all the bits of wood had like different numbers on. And as I was pulling it, because you've got to pull it all out of the box first and lay it down before you get your instructions. You've got to get all your bags of screws. And I think my bags of screws went from A to like F. And then I was pulling out blocks of wood that had... They were like, okay, number number one, number two, number three. And by the time it was getting to, like, block number 34, I was like, fuck. How many, how many different parts is there to this thing? <laughs> it all assembles well. It all looks really nice. Cool. And flat pack furniture is much... It's very much like a real-life puzzle instead of doing it on a video game. Yeah, it? definitely. It's always hard to do it when you're in a smaller room than what you've actually brought as well. Yeah, so when I built my desk, I didn't move my other desk out of the way... I was kind of trying to do it in a little area and like halfway through I was like no and like I need to take my TV and my Switch and my Xbox off this desk and move everything out of the way chuck this desk outside and then started building that desk into the corner where it should go so much better that way nice so do you reckon you'd put flat pack furniture on the same level as Ikea furniture yes because Ikea furniture comes with no instructions it does yeah yeah comes with instructions no Ikea furniture doesn't it doesn't no I'm sure you know what, I've never made Ikea furniture then. Yeah, you have to find it online. Uh... <laughs> so that'd be another one for the rankings. Yeah, okay, so we'll, we'll do it separately. I like I like a little paper manual, like old school. I like the manual. I like yeah. the manual like by the side of one of my legs while I'm screwing in a bit of wood that I'm holding up with both my feet. and Screwing in a bit of wood, okay. Wouldn't be the first time, mate. With your floppy night. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Uh, okay, let's go. I'm going with flat pack furniture at number nine. I wanted to go above potatoes. Let's go above potatoes. See, I was going to settle for flat pack furniture being above housework, but if you want to pump it up a little bit and being above uh, potatoes, then I'm all for that, mate. Yeah, I'm happy with that. Cool. So is it on to me? Is it? Yeah. Cool. Right. Guess which one I'm going with now. I'm going with getting something in your eye. Okay. So what's the worst thing you've ever had in your eye? When it's raining and I'm walking to work trying to smoke a yeah. fag and You're the wind... smoking your eye? No, the wind blows the ash in my eye. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's pretty heinous to be fair, isn't it? It's fucking horrible. <laughs> so you just stand there in the middle of the road blinking? I'm trying to walk and blink. <laughs> walk and blink. Doesn't end well. <laughs> it's like one eye's working, so I can continue up and still trying to smoke a fag. It's still trying to rub my eye, trying to get all the ash out. Uncomfortable. It is horrible, isn't it? I think like this past week, I have um, I've slammed a sauce bottle down, had sauce hit me in the eye. I've 
had uh, thrown cutlery into the pot a bit too hard and had like dirty dishwater splash in my eye. All sorts of stuff. Like no one wants to get anything in their eye, do they? Cause it's like no. this little liquid layer sat on top of your eye and yeah, everything rubs in. If you get sand in your eye, it just feels gritty. It's horrible. Like I remember uh, one time when I was younger, my mate like snapped a glow stick and the glow stick sort of like burst out and that got me in the eye. I'm pretty sure that's something like luminescent like acid thing oh. um, but yeah that stung for hours it was fucking horrible so yeah obviously i don't want getting shit in your eye to be high on the list but i was talking to the kp today and he was telling me that we should um we should rank movies okay and i went okay this not a bad idea i said we have ranked like the in-betweeners and stranger things so we're not against like doing doing media stuff and he was like okay did you he was like oh right he's like did you watch all of the in-betweeners i was like seen it before he was like oh did you watch it all again before you ranked it and i was like no and he was like well that shows dedication doesn't it so like, what do you mean he was like you're not very dedicated to your podcast if you're not going to go if you're not going to go and like rewatch those things before you do them so viz in the interest of getting accurate rankings i now need you to poke yourself in the eye and shit yourself <laughs> just to make sure that we get these in the right place Are you okay with that yeah of course cool so three two one <laughs> no joking i'm not gonna poke myself in the eye it's gonna fucking hurt <laughs> But yeah, I think I definitely prefer to shit myself than get something in my eye. Yes. How do you feel about that? I'd rather shit myself than get something in my eye, to be honest. Cool. So would you rather get sand in your eye? Is, is sand worse than getting sand in your eye? Yeah. No. Would you want to get sand in your eye? It's practically glass, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. That's going to be the most uncomfortable thing to have in your eye. That and an eyelash. An <laughs> eyelash, yeah. Anything in your eye is fucking horrible, to be honest. Um, so are we doing... We're going above sand or below sand? Sand is still worse. I, I would say above sand. Stand still. Sand is still worse than against like getting something in your eye. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Do you want to lead us in to the last one? So the last one we have Assassin's Creed. So I'm pretty sure like Severs put this one due to the fact you know I like. I'm a big fan of the Assassin's Creed series and the fact that we've had the showcase today. <laughs> yeah. So considering the showcase and. Um, half of your games room is dedicated to Assassin's Creed so I'd put this in here to let you talk about it basically I love the series Assassin's Creed I've, I have got favourites I haven't got favourites I've played them so many times I've got trophy cases of a lot of the Assassin's Creed figurines so I am a big fan because I don't know I like the like the idea of the games like going back in time and visiting like historical characters historical places and timelines they do visit and the stories that they follow so for me i'd like this to be at number seven i'd put it below stranger things mate are you serious yeah you do you like assassin you like stranger things more than you like assassin's i do at the Creed. moment because that show today just did really disappointed me <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i get that i guess that was like it was just more dlc for valhalla and then yeah come back like later in the year to find out what's going on assassin's creed as a series as a whole I'd say yes at number seven. I'd put it at number seven. If it went into specific games, we put that into the rankings. I think the rankings would be quite different, like different in how they would persevere in that list. Cool. So I'm going to ask you then: What's your favourite Assassin's Creed game? Can you do a top three? Uh, yes, I'd go two, four, no two, Black Flag, then Origins. 
Okay. See, that's not far off me. I think I'd go like Brotherhood, Black Flag, mm-hmm. and maybe Odyssey. I preferred Odyssey over Origins. I did like the Odyssey story, but I haven't actually finished that story yet, so the, my list of the top three could change. Okay, so you need to finish Odyssey and you need to finish Valhalla. Yeah. To be fair, I haven't finished Rogue 3, Revelations, Syndicate, Unity. Yeah, there's a bunch I didn't finish, but I played a lot of all of them. Yeah. But yeah, and then... I think most of them I'm finished most of the ones I've finished I have platinumed as well no so I, I, I platinumed all of the ancient trilogy so like Origins Odyssey Valhalla I did all them and then I did just platinum Assassin's Creed yeah. 2 I think uh, 90% of the people I know who played Assassin's Creed 2 platinum Assassin's Creed 2 yeah I think with Odyssey and Valhalla I was in the midst of play just come off a like 100 yeah. hour game and I didn't want to go straight into another 100 hour game so I played a couple of little ones I just I've never got a chance to get back to them. They're, they're games I can always go back to and easily pick it up, pick up the storyline, and I'd still continue to see, enjoy the series. Yeah. So I picked up, a, I brought today a physical copy of Assassin's Creed Rogue, which should arrive tomorrow, so I'm pretty uh, hyped to get into that one. Nice. one I missed before. I've got two copies of that. you got two copies of that? Yeah, I've got one for the PS4 and one for the PS3. Okay, fair, fair. Just as a, like a final question, which is your favourite preferred type of Assassin's Creed? Uh, there's a big divide between people who like the original Assassin's Creed and then the people who like the, what is the ancient trilogy, like the new way of the Assassin's Creed games. Are you a purist or are you uh, a new wave? I'm a new wave. I like the direction it's going in. Uh, I've seen, I've heard the ideas of where it's going as well. Uh, I'm just intrigued to see how they put that into the actual gameplay. Uh, yeah, I do really enjoy the old gameplay. I do the do enjoy the old style, um, but I'm not against what they're doing right now. I enjoy it. I'm very much RPG. Uh, I always have been, so it's easy to get into that kind of dynamic. It was hard to start with, changing the flow of what they did things, but yeah, I'm definitely New Wave. Cool. Yeah, I'm New Wave as well. I, I feel that we got enough Assassin's Creed that play like the old school Assassin's Creed that we need to reinvent the fuel formula. So Origins Odyssey was definitely like the right move and the right way to go about it. Um, but yeah, long may Assassin's Creed live and maybe we get many more and go into many more different historical areas. I hope we do. I think the, the change in the dynamic and how they did things was the right move, especially how things were going within gaming and I think they chose the right direction to go in. Yeah, agreed, agreed. That was our rankings this week. We had Pizza at number four, Assassin's Creed at number seven, Flatback Furniture at number 10, Socks at number 17, and Getting Something in Your Eye at 23. Fortunately, Spumoni Ice Cream is still at 25, at the bottom of the list. <laughs> it, it might make its way up at some point. I wonder how long it'll take to come from, from yeah, Kyle. A while. I don't, think he's, I don't think he's got the memo <laughs> to send it yet. Cause we can't, I haven't found it over here yet, so <laughs> we're never going to try it unless he sends it. Yeah, I know. So, I think that's it for us today, then, isn't it, Seth? Yeah. So, right, and that's the list so far. We'd like to thank you all for listening to our show and our ramblings. Come and find us on the RPG Era Discord channel. We encourage you to reach out with things you'd like to see ranked, game trailers to be hyped about, or gems we should all discover. I'm still Viz, and he's still Sev, and we have made enough noise for this week. Bye, Bye now. <laughs>